very quiet today. It really is. It's um, quieter than normal when we do our podcast. (laughs) And that's because we're in Sydney. And we're in the middle of lockdown central. Absolutely. And even more lockdown than most people because we... Are actually in quarantine. we're, We're in quarantine because of close contact, because we spend half our lives in cafes and it was bound to happen sooner or later. But so an infected person was in the cafe at the same time as us, apparently. So Yeah, well, let's talk about that in a minute. Okay. And we're going to talk about this tragedy, this horrible tragedy in Miami. I'm Jimmy Thompson. I write the flat chat column for the Australian Financial Review. And I'm Sue Williams, and I write about property for Domain. And this is the flat chat wrap. Well, while our theme music was playing, there was a very atmospheric ambulance siren in the background. (laughs) Kind of appropriate, but uh, difficult to edit. But we had that heart sink feeling uh, earlier last week when we looked at the list of places where infected people had been at and discovered we had been in the same cafe at the same time. It was a bit depressing, wasn't it, really? Well, it was a bit alarming because we didn't really know what to do. Yeah, it was funny because we didn't receive a notice through the through our apps because we'd signed in the yeah. app. But I think the app was a bit faulty or it blipped or something and it missed it. So, so it was up to us to look out where we'd been and the times, work out with our diaries whether that was the same time as well, and then voluntarily go into quarantine. It was a bit pathetic, wasn't it? I mean, we're going... Okay, what day was it we had the cheese toasties? What what day was it that our friend came and sat and talked to us? Yes, And that was a final clincher when she called up and said, hey, I'm in isolation and you should be too. Yeah, absolutely. So we we went on the New South Wales Health website and it told us to immediately make our way to a testing place. So we went along to the testing station. There was hardly anybody there to begin with. And then suddenly all these people started turning up with their mobile phones looking at messages. And I suspect that they were people who had been in close contact areas who had all just received a text (laughs) message saying, go and get yourself tested. Mm. So we we didn't hardly wait at all, actually, did we? Well, you waited ages because you somehow were in a shift changeover thing. Mm. And then we got our tests, which if you haven't had your test yet, it's a bit like eating wasabi, what happens to your nose. <laughs> but it, it's a lot better than before, isn't it? It is. Last it's year when less we had intrusive. Test, yeah, yeah, apparently they're using a more bendy kind of stick. Right. And it's not quite as long. Right. So it, yeah. it's not as, it doesn't kind of smart as much as it did last year, no. I think. But if you don't know what it's like having wasabi, then you need to eat more Japanese food <laughs> as soon as the Japanese restaurants yeah. are open again. So we did that and then we came home and even though you had your test about 10 minutes after I had mine, you got your result about six hours before I got That's mine, right, yeah. which was a bit alarming yeah. because no news is not necessarily good news in these situations. <laughs> I had to call New South Wales Health and leave my number because it was a 45 minute waiting time on the phone call. So I left my number, they called me back. And it was weird because this woman called me at about half past seven at night and I'm on the exercise bike in our flat 
And I think she was put off by my heavy breathing. <laughs> so she put the phone down. She again. hung up on me. Oh, no. And didn't call back. So I called them again the next day, and this nice young bloke, I assume he, he sounded young, Kevin, he took us through everything we needed to do, which was to go back and get a second test, to isolate ourselves from our neighbours. Which we had already done. Which we had already done, yeah. But we hadn't realised that the isolation period of 14 days is from the day that you were, you had that close contact. Because yeah. I actually thought it was going to be 14 days from the date of the test. Yeah. But so that's good. So we're free on July the fifth if all goes well. Which will be your book launch. Well, it's if meant all to be goes the day well. before the book launch, but I think the book launch is going to be postponed, which right. is a shame. Right. Sad to miss your own book launch, really. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he went through everything, and um, we contacted our building management as well, our concierge, and they've already got a protocol in place, which is great. I have to say, fantastic. But it makes you realise how lucky we are. Like we've got. A really good uh, strata management company. We've got really good building managers. We've got a, an active strata committee. And great concierge. Yeah. And between them, they've worked out a protocol, which is just not that onerous, really. It, it made perfect sense why they would do it. But the only thing that kind of jarred with me was, well, the fact that we'd run out of avocados, which, you know, in the eastern <laughs> suburbs is a disaster. <laughs> but... Uh, they t- told all our neighbours on our floor. Mm, to be aware of us. Yeah, to stay stay away unclean, from us. Unclean, unclean, yeah. yep. Um, and that's f- absolutely fine. Mm. You know, you, I, I get that. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, in the meantime, we kind of had to phone them up today and say, if you see us on security camera going out of the building, it's because we're going to get our second test. test. <laughs> exactly. And it was it was kind of hard because we didn't really have much food in, so we had to do an online order to yeah. get food delivered, which is hopefully going to be delivered this afternoon. You're talking about, yeah, like fresh food. Yeah, because we're obviously not allowed to go out to shops like most other people who are just in like a gentle lockdown in Sydney. Yeah. And, but a friend in the meantime dropped around a big bag and the concierge left it at our door and we opened it and it was full of biscuits and cheese and chips and fruit. Most of I'm, which has gone now. <laughs> no, there's still loads left. But I must say, it was one of the happiest moments of my life. It made me think. It really if you, cheered me up. If you know somebody, if you've got a friend who's in isolation rather than you know just general lockdown, which means they can't go out to the shops, go and buy them a bag full of biscuits. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a few friends emailed me and said, if there's anything you need, any shopping, please let us know. And that yeah. was great, really yeah. kind. Yeah. But actually, to have somebody come round and drop that off, it was just miraculous. Yeah. I mean, I think we were both feeling a bit down at the thought of being at home with each other so yeah, much. Especially, um, yeah, especially. In quarantine. But, you know, having all these Tim Tams and wafers and yeah. and chocolate teddies suddenly made life so much more We got chocolate enjoyable. teddies. I didn't notice them. They'd be gone now if I'd found them. Um, <laughs> and then one thing we forgot about, because we sat down and we, we ordered uber eats for dinner last night and which was great and we ordered food fresh food that will arrive any minute now which is also good i forgot cat food <gasps> oh I, I had to go and i had to go and count the number of cat tins and sachets oh. and things do we have enough yeah oh thank they'll goodness. get us through to next week okay Just. fantastic um, yeah. yeah so it's it's interesting i mean look it may sound like we're taking this lightly we're taking it seriously and making the most of it. 
Unfortunately, you know, Naked Wines made a delivery last week, so we're, we're not short, <laughs> short of alcohol. Um, and you know, we'll, you know, we could probably almost survive with what we've got. In oh, the we're cover. far luckier than most, really. Yeah, but uh, it's great to have a system in place, and I'm incredibly grateful to everybody involved in the management of our building for making this so. I mean, if I wasn't in isolation, if we weren't in isolation, I would be worried about what's happening with the people who are. Mm. You know, the people who shouldn't be going out, shouldn't be meeting their neighbours. Mm. And that brings us to the next topic, which is what's New South Wales Health doing about people in apartments? So we're going to have a chat about that after this. And we're back. So you wrote about this in Domain in the Sydney Morning Herald last week. I wrote about it in the Financial Review. Um, we're in a very privileged situation, as we explained before. We're being looked after, and everybody else in our building is being looked after. But where's New South Wales Health in all this? What is their take on apartment blocks? Now, let me preface your response by what I read in a newspaper in Melbourne where there was a an epidemiologist said that apartment blocks are basically like quarantine hotels in terms of the potential transmission, except they don't have all the cleaning and security and keeping people apart and making sure people don't open their doors at the same time. You, I believe, called in New South Wales Health and said, what is your message to people who live in apartments? And what was their response? Well, they seemed a bit flabbergasted, really, that I'd even asked the question. And they said there's just no need for apartments to receive special attention, that we're not a special case at all, and um, that they provide advice to everybody in exactly the same way, whether they live in houses or apartments. If people are in close contacts, they'll follow that up. They may even look on CCTV video if there is some in apartments. They'll talk to strata managers. But really, they're not undertaking any proactive means of making sure that apartment buildings aren't kind of super spreaders which they right. have the potential to be as you said they're saying look if you're in an office wear a mask you go into a shop wear a mask we know from the king's court i think uh, apartment block in melbourne uh, in the south bank there which they had to lock down after six people got infected that was the complex of townhouses wasn't it really there were some apartments there also mm. and it had a common area car park and mm. the medical experts in Melbourne are saying that's where the infection occurred and it was casual cross infection. It wasn't, you know, people hugging and kissing in the car park as everybody does. It was people passing each other picked up the infection. Sure, and that's the, that's the obvious danger with the Delta variant because earlier last year we had the, the Melbourne, the nine housing commission tower blocks, yep. which were locked down. Yeah. Um, and that wasn't Delta, though. It that wasn't Delta. But that, that was a really terrible situation with so many people infected. Yeah. But now with Delta, it makes it potentially even worse. Absolutely. I mean, we had somebody on the radio the other day saying, and this is a New South Wales health expert, saying if one member of a family gets infected, all members of the family will be infected. That's how infectious it is. It's not selective in any way at all. So we know you'll get, the potential cross-infection just in passing, 
We know that the government is worried about people in offices and in lifts and there was an alert went out for anybody who was in a certain lift at a certain time in a certain building. Why will they not say, hey, if you live in an apartment block and you're moving through common area, put a mask on? Mm, absolutely. It's just being left to individual buildings. I mean, we saw this last week that the Alarm building in King's Cross, which is a really big building, I yep. think it's about 280, 290 apartments. Yep. They were locked down because they had um, a positive case there. Yep. And they hadn't. They didn't know who maybe had been in the lift, who had been in the car park. And they've got lots of common areas there. They've yeah, got a swimming yeah, pool. Yeah. They've got a gym. They've got... Um, but just walking down the corridor, you know. Yeah, in the lobby. They've got yeah. a couple of lobby areas as well. So they kind of faced that lockdown. I think lots of people have been tested, but I don't think any other cases have come up, which is fortunate. Yeah. But um, they were also in the cafe next door, which is the cafe we went to as yeah. well. Yeah. <laughs> and somebody who was infected was in there as well, which is why we're in quarantine too but yeah the the government is offering and the department of health is offering no particular advice to apartment residents which is which is a bit shameful and i talked to the owners corporation network and they were saying they've been asking the department of health for a long long time now to issue some kind of protocols and guidance yeah. to apartment buildings because we've got shared air conditioning systems shared lifts shared common areas stairways lounges gyms pools all those kind of areas when somebody does come down with COVID-19 in an apartment building, there's there's no kind of protocols or regime no. telling people what to do. But I think it's even worse than that. Last week, week before, travelling into the city, we knew that they were going to reintroduce compulsory mask wearing on public transport at four o'clock that day. So I travelled into the city at three o'clock and hardly anyone on the train was wearing masks. 4.30 when I returned, mm. hardly anyone in the train wasn't wearing yeah. masks. And you realise it's not just a question of people waiting to be told what to do. It's people waiting to get a sense of how bad things are. Mm. They get that from the government. Mm. The, gov and the government says to people in apartments, now, we're lucky, you know, we've been asked to socially distance in the lifts and even before we went into quarantine, we... Ma you know, we masked up in the lifts, partly because I'd written a column about it and I didn't want to be outed as <laughs> a hypocrite. But, but right. if the government isn't providing the lead on things like yeah. this, what are other people meant to do? Like um, Karen Stiles from the OCN said quite rightly, you know, the Elan building with its 500-odd people, they had a positive test and so, you know, potentially there could have been hundreds of people infected. Yeah. And instead of, of bringing in a team of people to go into the building and test everyone, maybe door to door or yeah. get people in the lobby and test them there, um, instead they said to everybody, okay, go out back into the neighbourhood, get tested, and yeah. then come back and self-isolate, which yeah. seems kind of ridiculous, doesn't it, really? Uh, it's, it is totally ridiculous. And it's almost like this thing they're saying, we don't want to alarm people. Well, yeah, sometimes you do have to alarm people. That's what alarms are for, yeah. to alarm people. Yeah. And we've had lots of cases of positive um, cases in apartment buildings. And we, ha one building manager I talked to, Ben Mees, was saying about he manages some of the hugest buildings yeah. in, in the country, really. He's got yeah. World Square with, is it called World Square? World, World Tower yeah. with 1,500 residents. Yeah. I mean, what happens there? Yeah. And we've always talked about, you know, overcrowding in some CBD apartments as well. So it's probably quite hard to keep track of who all the residents are as well. Yeah. 
And he was saying that they had a positive resident. Suddenly there was, and people were starting to get a bit panicky in the building. And then there was a fire alarm. Oh, God. Oh, right. Can you imagine? Like, what are they meant to do? They just don't really know. I mean, he, he was saying, you know, the government just doesn't understand strata living, really. They're yep. not like houses. You can't shut your front gate and keep everyone away. Yeah. Um, everyone shares everything. And it's mm-hmm. not every building has building management or strata management. This statistic has probably changed. But when we started writing about strata, fewer than 50% of the strata schemes in New South Wales had strata managers. Sure. I'm sure the bigger ones will have them now because they need to have them. And and strata managers generally are doing a terrific job in informing their committees, you know, this is what you should be doing. Then it's up to the committee to decide what they want to do. And there's a trickle down to where you get to a building which might have 30 apartments in it, doesn't have a strata manager, doesn't have a building manager, and people are walking around going, should I wear a mask? Do I want to be the odd Mm -hmm. person out? Do I want to be abused in the lift by some anti-masker idiot? And if they're infected, I mean, should they be using the garbage rooms? You know, they probably shouldn't. The whole point of these lockdowns is to keep the vast majority of people who aren't infected, away from the tiny minority who are infected. Mm. So you you bring in sensible rules. We know that masking works. Mm. We know that casual contact, passing contact of this, this new variation of the virus is highly contagious. What should we do? Try and get people to mask up when they're going to be in close proximity Mm. with other people. What is close proximity? Well, we know from Melbourne that walking past somebody in a car park or in Mm. a lift is close proximity. Tell people to wear masks. Come on, Gladys. And we know you don't live in an apartment. We know that you you and most of your government... But lots of her ministers do. I mean, she's got a couple of ministers who've been infected. Yeah, and where are they? There you go. There you go. So it's just so slack. Yeah, and, and it's so hard. lazy. Because even the big buildings, like they haven't issued any advice on like whether gyms should stay open, whether pools should stay open. Mm. So the buildings are each struggling with these decisions, and it's yeah. up to strata committees. And it's really hard for them without yeah, yeah. any advice from the government. And if they decide to close the gym and the pools, um, residents are complaining and yeah. saying, "Well, you know, you've got no authority to do that." And they're going to they're phoning the Department of Fair Trading. And fair trading is saying, oh, there's no rules on that. Right. So then they're saying, okay, we're going to take you to NCAT. Yeah. <laughs> to Which is... So it's really, really hard for everyone. I mean, if the Department of Fair Trading or the Department of Health said these are the actual rules and guidelines, everyone has to abide by them, it would be so much clearer, so much easier. Yeah. And, and so much more simple to, to introduce. It's funny, you know, because one of the things, the, the messages out of the, the last lockdown period was to keep yourself healthy. And ironically, in a lot of big buildings, they can't get into their gyms to keep themselves healthy, but they can go into the pub next door. <laughs> as long as yeah. they stand up while they're drinking. Yeah. I don't know, has that changed now? Have they closed down you, the pubs? No, they haven't, because we drove can, past the Darlow Bar. Yep, you can still stand up. Stand up and drink. Oh, no, you've got to sit down and drink. You can't sit stand down. up. You can't Sorry. stand up. You can't See, stand there's up another dance. form of exercise that's yeah. been taken away from people. <laughs> and as well, I mean, you've got lots of, you know, in the bigger buildings, you've got building managers, you've got concierge, you've got cleaning staff. Are they essential workers? Are they allowed to come into work? Mm. But so many of these big buildings were just absolutely 
shut down if those cleaners weren't there yeah. the, the the garbage chutes would get filled up they wouldn't be cleaned and then nobody clean the lift buttons uh, uh, if there's a, a lift breakdown if the building manager is not at work who's going to fix that so these people have to be classified as essential workers as well but it's nothing it doesn't seem to be much regard to those kind of things and that's another thing that came out of ocn was they know that some of the security workers in quarantine hotels are also doing shifts in apartment blocks. Oh, yeah. They know it's going on, but they don't know who they are. Mm. And the government, again, is going, well, it's just an apartment block. It's just people who live in apartments. doesn't really matter, does it? But there are so many of us now. Yeah, there's a million of us. Mm. In Is it a million in New South Wales? Yeah, half a mm. million in Sydney. That's a lot of people. But you look at the areas, the shutdown, the original shutdown areas, city of Sydney... And, you know, the eastern suburbs, that's where most of the apartment residents are. Mm. But it's okay. Don't worry. You can go and breathe on each other all you like, because if you get infected, we'll probably get round to looking after you eventually. Crazy. Mask up, folks. Mask up. After this, we're going to talk about something that is probably even more serious and does have implications for us here in Australia. And that is the terrible tragedy of the collapsed tower in Miami. It's after this. And we're back. Well, the radio and television for the past few days has been full of stories and images from that terrible apartment collapse in uh, Miami. Miami Beach, is it, in Florida? Yeah, and I think they've still got 159 people missing, I think. And the one thing that struck me about this was, and all the reports that I've heard, I've heard people saying it was unforeseeable or inexplicable. And, and then I'm listening to other reports who are saying, well, this building was quite old. It was suffering from what we call concrete cancer. The metal supports inside the concrete were rusting because it's right next to the sea. The building had been sinking for years because it's built on sand. There's been buildings going up next to it for years, mm. constant drilling and hammering. And columns were cracked. And, and the columns, well. and they could see, and they were already talking about remediation work. Yeah. What in that? picture is unforeseeable <laughs> that's right i mean they've got a report that was done two and a half years ago saying that remediation work was needed urgently yeah and i think they'd taken out a big you know 12 million dollar line of credit to get that work done but it'd been delayed there's wasted two and a half years waiting for for the work to to start oh god and that two and a half years was obviously really vital absolutely i mean you can't help but think of mascot towers Mm. You know, which I believe is a similar sized building, also built on very shaky ground. Mm. Um, it's built on, on a very high water table and was starting to sink round about the same time as there was heavy engineering work going on next door. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think which is still in court. So we don't know. Yeah, we don't what know what the, the actual or, cause yeah. was, or mm. whether it will ever be properly defined. But mm. the people, the residents of Mascot Tower, must be sitting there today, going there, but for fortune, because mm. that's how bad it gets. Because we've seen it the way buildings are constructed these days. Once they go down, they they call it pancaking. Right, when they just, Where they just it's just concertina <clears throat> down, really. It's kind of like the, the walls pop out mm. and the floors just come down on top of each other. And once the first couple of floors come down, then the floors underneath 
are completely incapable of carrying that weight. So it has a kind wow. of domino effect as well. I mean, those pictures were just <clears throat> horrific, weren't they, watching... Ah, shocking. Time and time again. It reminded me so much of the Twin Towers. Mm, sure. But it, it's interesting. That building was about 40 years old, I think. Right. And um, now the mayor of Miami has asked for an urgent report on all buildings which are 40 years old and more yeah. in, in Miami. And she's urging other cities in America to do the same, to, to conduct an audit of all older buildings to, to check that they're still structurally in good shape. We know from our experience here in Australia, there was a period where there were a lot of cowboy builders just going out there and throwing buildings up. They they weren't properly inspected. They weren't properly certified. And it's a miracle, I think, that we haven't seen more of, of these buildings. Well, maybe they're just not old enough yet. Well, when you think 40 years old, that's the 80s. Yep. That's not that long ago. No. And a lot of our apartment buildings were built in the 50s and 60s. I mean, they were smaller then. Yeah. But by the 80s, we started getting higher buildings. Yes. So maybe it's time for those buildings to be carefully looked at as well. Yes. I mean, it's great that we've got a building commissioner looking forward to, yeah. to hopefully the buildings being built now are much better than the buildings in the past. But we also have a duty to have a look at our older buildings as well. But the government's not going to do that, are they? Now, really, that's just opening a can of worms for them. They, they may insist, and they should insist, that buildings over a certain age are fully inspected and that any remediation is carried out. As we know from the years of writing about this stuff, the people who own apartments in these buildings, that's the last thing they want to do, is mm. to find major structural problems. They'd rather see a couple of cracks somewhere and immediately put their apartments on their market before sure. it gets too bad. But maybe this will shock us all into kind of, you know, taking more notice of apartments mm. and realising that we have a real responsibility. Maybe, you know, we, we all have to do um, building reports, don't we? Right, yeah. The forward reports. It's a 10-year it's maintenance report that yeah. has to be reviewed every five years, but there is no requirement for that to be done by a professional. Ah, so you think some people are just going out and doing it themselves? You know, Jeff on the... Strata committee can say, oh, I used to be a brickie. I, I know a bit about building mm. and walk around with a cigarette packet, making a few notes and type it up and give it to the committee. And he has no liability. They have no liability. And there is absolutely no confidence that the report is accurate. Well, maybe that would be a really easy fix then, wouldn't it? If they said that a professional has to do that report yeah. and has to check on that report every so every years. five years you have to every review. So if they just said, they just changed that one thing and said a professional has to check on it, yep. then that may change the whole outlook. And the easiest way to do that is to look at the uh, strata scheme registration numbers. So we just take the first thousand and say, okay, you've got to get your report done by the end of this year and then take the next thousand. And at a time where we've got COVID, it's you know, really hurting the economy again. The government's spending a lot of money on infrastructure. Well, maybe we could spend a bit of money on that kind of infrastructure as well, housing infrastructure on apartment buildings. Yeah. The reality is that it's hard to get a tradie these days because they're all building houses under the last injection of funding. Mm. But uh, look, somebody needs to sit down and say, okay, we're taking care of the future of buildings. Mm. Let's take care of the past. 
and there are strategies we could employ and that would actually help the economy because it would create work. It's such a horrendous thing that's happened in Miami. Yeah. And your heart goes out to everyone and the families involved and you would hate to see that kind of thing replicated here. Okay, on that cheery note. Oh my goodness, that was a bit depressing. Wasn't I it? feel the need for a biscuit. <laughs> Thanks, Sue, and uh, thank you all for listening. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Flat Chat Wrap podcast. You'll find links to the stories and other references on our website, flat-chat.com.au. And if you haven't already done so, you can subscribe to this podcast completely free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or your favorite podcatcher. Just search for Flat Chat Wrap with a W, click on subscribe, and you'll get this podcast every week without even trying. Thanks again. Talk to you again next week.